Hey, Gabriel, what you, what you read? Oh, it's nothing. Just a little book. Oh, for real? What, 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 you, what you got there? What you, what you, what you reading on? Um, it's like, it's stupid. It's really nothing. Ah, you not gonna tell me what it is? What you reading? It's just a romance novel. Ah, you reading one of them sex books, ain't you? Oh. Hello, hello, and welcome to She Reads the Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby, here to talk all about my fave romance reads, Check back every Wednesday for your book of the week, recommendations on authors, series, being a bookie on a budget, and all things romance. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode. So we are finishing out the month of March. I hope everyone enjoyed um, all the stories about girl power um, and, you know, ladies doing it for themselves. So today I'm actually going to be talking about a a YA novel, a young adult novel. Yes, I I read them. All genres, baby. All types. Um, And so this one is actually written by author Brenda Hyatt. um, And it's called the Starstruck series. So I, once again, stumbled upon this because I bought a book off Amazon for a dollar or for free. And... It's about this girl named Marsha. She lives in Ascrack, Indiana, of all places. And I don't apologize for anyone who lives in Indiana. You knew what you were signing up for. If it's not Pawnee, it's not working. Um, and she lives with her aunt and uncle, her aunt Teresa, and her uncle. I forget his name because, honestly, he just fades in and out of the book so infrequently. Like, you really just do not pay attention to him. Um, and she, uh, grows up in, you know, middle of the road, fucking Indiana. And she is just one of those really, like, I don't want to say plain girls because it doesn't scream girl power, but the way that the author describes her, she just does not really stand out. It's like, she's one of those people that's like going to be in Indiana kind of like her whole life and then she's going to like be in a Tupperware club when she gets older and you know there's always going to be like the head honcho girl and she kind of already has one of those people in the story her name is Trina of all names I just I don't know outside of the rapper who I accidentally I actually met in like a Miami airport once she's so short in person like I don't know why I thought she was taller, but she's like, I don't know. Somebody Google it, but she can't be more than like 5'2". Like, she's minuscule. Outside of Trina, I can't really think of any Trina that I know that is nice, unless her name is actually Katrina and she just shortens it. But, mm, I don't know. I've just, I've never really met a nice Trina. Um, But that's kind of like Karen. Like, you know, it's a hit or miss with Karens, right? So... Um, she, she's just one of those people that just doesn't really stand out. And it's kind of hard in the beginning for me to feel any type of way about her. Like she goes to judo and, you know, or karate and stuff like that. And it's supposed to be like good for her self-confidence, but it like doesn't work. She is one friend and, um, yeah, she's just, she's just, you know, just an average girl living out her average life. And along comes this boy because, you know, girls can't be special without boys. 
Um, and his name is Rigel, and he moves to you know, Indiana, he starts going to her school, and everyone's like, ooh, who's this boy? Ooh, ooh. And, you know, Rigel is such a, you know, it's such an extra name. At first, I thought he was black. Um, but apparently, Rigel is, like, a star. I didn't know that. So, anyway, Rigel comes to the school, and he is, you know, he's popular already. Like, he's cute. Like, you know, he's fine. Um, you know, young Chris Evans. S type of bro, and um, he's like on the football. I think he's on the basketball team too, but he's also on the football team. And you know, everyone's just like hot to try for him, especially that trick Trina. Um, and Rigel is just like you know, he's just a really nice guy. And for some odd reason, he's interested in Marsha. Um, she actually usually goes by M, so. If at any point you hear me saying M, just understand that that is the party heretofore known as, formerly known as Marsha. And she is kind of struck, right? Like, I don't know about y'all, but I'm just so used to dudes being shit. Like, when somebody's nice, I myself am always extremely suspicious. And I was just, you know, what what's your deal you know, you you can't purchase any of my eggs. Um, I don't have any kidneys for sale. Like, you know, what what's the deal, dude? Um, but you know, he slowly wears her down and here is the kicker. Halfway through the book, you find out that this bitch is from Mars. Right? <laughs> totally left field. So Rigel is like, yeah, I think you're special because I can feel this buzz around you and I can only feel that around other Martians. And, okay, this is actually an entire series um, and I, I highly recommend reading all of the books because it gets real. So M finds out that not only is, like, Rajel for real, for real, in like with her, for not for the play-play, but for the true-true. And then he tells her that she's a princess from Mars. So <laughs> it gets a lot more convoluted than that. Like, she, they gotta do all this testing. She finds out she really is, like, the royal princess of Mars. Like, the the you know the 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 sovereign that left there when she was a baby apparently Martians age really slowly like dumbass slowly like I want to say Rigel's grandfather is like hundreds of years old and his parents are like in their sixties and seventies or some shit like that and I'm like whoa 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 what um yeah so apparently they live like really long lives so. Marsha is actually adopted, which I don't think she knows until further along when her Aunt Teresa finally, like, breaks her, like, hardcore, staunch, stern mode. And was like, yeah, you were adopted when your parents got you. You were, like, rambling, talking about um, you were, like, you know, Mar you kept saying Martian, 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 Marsha, Marsha. And that's how we ended up saying, coming up with your name. But... In reality, I guess, and I just, ooh, I don't know how this all worked because it's, it's been a bit of a minute since I read um, that specific book in the series where 
her aunt Teresa like breaks down her past history before she even got there. But basically, she's like, you know, you kept mumbling about that when your parents got you, and so that's how they ended up calling you Marsha. And like, you know, I think she has like a a memory, like a flashback, and where she hears like her actual birth parents calling her like their little Martian princess. So that's not really her name. Like, Marsha isn't really her name. Um, but you know, it's it's a fun series. Like at one point, they go to Mars, they come back, they're like in Ireland. And the of course the, the the center of this whole story is the romance between her and Rigel. And the reason why it's just so fraught is because her and Rigel meet each other and they his parents actually use Rigel to find her. Because Martians can feel other Martians, they, you know, would come around and stuff like that. And he was gonna go in and like infiltrate on some spy shit. And he was supposed to, you know, siphon her out. But along the way, with him trying to be the person that kind of, like, gently leads her to this discovery that, you know, there's life on Mars, and she used to live there, and technically she was born there, so she's not even really American, let alone Earthbound. Like, you know, you don't even like your terror. <laughs> um, and so she, uh, she's just like, thrown completely off she's got all these additional powers and as they build this relationship over time it becomes it becomes clear that like her and Rigel's them them being together is not going to work out so in Mars they have different factions it's very like Hunger Games honestly like there are different factions of their their economy and their world. Very very Hunger Games, very divergent. Where it's like you can only be with a person that's from that specific sect or what have you. So like, Rigel's families are family is like you know the science people, and then they've got like the farmer people, and then they've got the royal people who are just like, you know, they're just a, a, a smidge above it. It's honestly kind of very much so reminiscent of, like, the British aristocrat, British ar- ar- aristocratic system or, like, the Indian caste system where everybody just stays in this role and everyone, like, you know, can only marry and date within this one specific area and, you know, your family is not you're you can't date outside of your group basically you know on some real slumdog millionaire prince and the pauper uh type thing princess and the pea type thing if you get my drift so i love their relationship um it's such uh, and you know i love a slow build um and it's appropriate you know like you're thinking about high schoolers, it's not going to be anything, like, super steamy. And after three books, I don't, you never have, I don't think they have the sex. Definitely not. But that's okay. Like, and it's four books. I'm sorry, it's four books. So through the journey of their relationship, there's, like, all these extra background things. So, like I said, Marsha has to go to, M has to go to Mars. She has to go to Mars because... 
Mars is about to die. So the entire colony is about to die. There's like these factions of people who are trying to overthrow the the royal rule. And so there was like this big thing and people have gotten their memories erased. And so, you know, her and Rigel have to be together, but they have to be together in secret. So he comes on as like her bodyguard and they're like, yeah, he needs to be her bodyguard because you can't always have an adult person following her around all the time. And he's the only person that can kind of move with her incognito. So, you know, they're out here meeting each other on the spaceship and secretly making out and shit like that, which is just so crazy because it's like, is it ever that intense? But their love does feel a lot more electric than, you know, the standard angsty teen, I love you, you love me, we have to be together until we die or it's never going to work out, which I think is just crazy sometimes. Um, But I feel like they develop a real connection, not to, not to even just, um, not even just that, but they also have like an actual kinetic connection. So Martians, I want to say, are greater when they're around each other. So it's like their abilities are heightened and their, their achievements are heightened when they're around each other. And, Rigel and M, they respond even more so to each other like that. And it's this thing called Rael. So it's a, a Martian term where it's like two people are so fated and so bound together that, you know, they they become like invincible. And that relationship, no matter how much the people of Mars try to keep them apart, actually is what makes them stronger and what saves everybody. So it's going to be a couple of spoiler alerts. Um, Flash forward ahead um, if you need to. But um, Rigel and him, they they can actually, like, create kinetic energy and electricity and zap people and just, like, a lot of power. Like, I'm talking, like, Tesseract sort of power. And the reason that Marsha has to come back to Mars and the reason why Rigel and his family were even looking for her was because, you know, they've been living on Earth. So the background of Mars is that there is this race of people who these advanced beings that took humans from Earth and then put them on Mars and put them in, in the and it's not like they live on the surface of the planet, if that makes sense. Not like people on Earth do, but they actually live inside of Mars. And um the stability of their 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 colony is collapsing, like their world and their life as we know it is collapsing. So lots of people have already left Mars and came back to the to to the to earth i can't even say the u.s some of them are like ireland and all over the world obviously so you know and it's like a secret immigration system i don't even think the u.s or any government you know like definitely not the u.s definitely not like the british british intelligence like like no cut no one knows that there's Martians out there just living their best life and shit like that. They're coming up with all types of super graphs and computers and shit like that. All this advanced technology. Like, Earth is way behind Mars. Like, way behind Mars. Like, like, ooh, I just... Like, I want to say the difference between dial-up and LTE, like, 
that's how way behind Earth is from Mars, right? <laughs> I don't know if y'all watch Captain Marvel. Shout out to Marvel. Um, what a great movie. Um, and I will argue with anyone who says anything differently. I mean, I had some some notes, but overall I thought it was a solid movie. Um, and you know, like they're, they're <laughs> they put that CD in and they just have to wait. Or when she's like at the place and she's got she's at that internet cafe and she's like waiting for that shit to dial up. And I just sat there and looked at it. And I'm like, God, I remember that life. Like, man. It was such a process to get on the internet. You had to log in. It did all that sound shit. And now, like, I get mad if it takes me longer than 30 seconds to pull up IMDb. Just, woo. But that is that is how far advanced Mars is from Earth. Like, obviously, I said they can, like, erase people's memories and stuff like that. So, Marsha is, like, in... Mars. And the crazy thing is, her aunt is super daggone strict. Like, super strict. I'm sure you're asking yourself, Gabs, how the fuck did she get to Mars if her aunt is super strict? Well, there's this whole other family called the the Omaras, and I don't even think it's Omaros, y'all. I'm sorry. I feel like it's O'Hara's. It's something. It's Irish. Sounds Irish as fuck. I can tell you that. Um, and they are there. And the mom, her gift is to actually be extremely persuasive and get people to agree to certain things. And she convinces um, M's aunt Teresa that you know everything that they're doing with the children are legit. The kids, um, M's always just hanging out with their daughter because, you know, she's helping. Um, they're, they're working on school projects together and stuff like that. And so that's how she manages to convince, you know, her aunt to let her go. And so now they're on a class trip to Ireland, which is apparently where you can hop on a Martian trip with a one-way flight, you know, to Mars. Um And so that's how she ends up in Mars. And she's, like, fighting this battle between all of these different factions that are, you know, fighting against each other. There's this guy who did a whole coup, and he's the person that they're trying to depose. And they did all types of, like, real grimy-ass shit to a lot of the citizens, especially, like, the royal people, like, just wipe their memories and kill them and stuff like that and so they want her to come in and save everything which is outrageous like she's only like 15 or 16 at the time and there's just way too much going on for her to you know acclimate to like their new world like she's got to always be dressed up and she's got to do these formal things and then and then and then come to find out that she's technically betrothed right so royalty right you can't get away from all the different things that you have to deal with as far as like people who are in the public eye and having to like deal with just basically the 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 situation of you don't get to pick who you end up with right like that kind of sucks but I know that that is typically how things go when it comes to like royalty and aristocracy and shit like that you know shout out to prince harry for like marrying who he wanted to um and that that was just really rough for her so like not only does she have to um deal with the fact that 
she's in love with this boy and he doesn't uh he she can't be with him but then to find out like halfway through like oh yeah and then on top of that uh you know you are supposed to be getting married to this dude named Sean and she's like uh hold the fuck on you know i'm i'm definitely not marrying anybody named Sean and you know she meets him and he's cool like she ends up being best like very close friends with his uh his sister and it's it's hard because they're all friends right so there's all four of them they all have to be friends for the public and the Martian public to be okay with, you know, seating Marsha, she's got to publicly be in a relationship with Sean. It is literally killing her. And then on top of that, she goes through this transformation. So remember I said that, you know, Martians make each other better. So in the beginning of the book, Marsha M just seems super plain. Like she's just nothing to write home about. She talks about herself in these unglowing terms, which, you know, sidebar, Ladies, love on yourselves, you know, love on you just as deeply as you love on your friend on Facebook, right? I see all of us talk about each other's friends and like, yes, bitch, and come on hair and all this. Love on yourself, too. So, and and all of this is written in the first person. So, like, this is always Marsha's perspective sometimes it switches I want to say to Rigel a couple of times but for the most part um, Marsha is the narrator of this story and you know she just she doesn't really feel like she's anything special which is kind of why you as the reader wonder why she's special and then you start this whole journey with her um and throughout the time that she's with Rigel they just make each other better like whenever she's at his games he's on fire and when she's at the games while he's playing she's like working the 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 concession stand and she's like she's like on fire right she's just like she's got orders up she's got order up she's like diner dash she's like bam 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 um and you know even her looks start to change so like her skin brightens and her acne clears up and her hair which was like this mousy brown just turns into this luscious wavy chestnut it's almost like the princess diaries transformation only it happens so slowly and subtly and she just sorts of leans into her own and the really funny thing about this whole series is that throughout all this her aunt Teresa and her uncle almost never know what's going on it's almost literally I think at the end like the president shows up at the house and her aunt Teresa is like dumbstruck and that's that's pretty much how she realizes oh okay maybe this chick isn't just regular degular um and you know she's just she gets better at uh is it jujitsu is it taekwondo is it is it judo? I don't know. But she starts kicking ass. Like, her teacher is like, yeah, I'm really proud of you, Marsha. We ready to move you up to the next belt. Before, she would just go, and it just didn't seem like it did anything for her. And then as her relationship with Rigel developed, like, that changed. And so when she goes to Mars and then the public finds out about her and Rigel's relationship, they separate them. I think he has a grandmother there in Mars that, you know, 
clearly his grandfather isn't with anymore. Um, and I think she's part of like the Royal Society or whatnot. There, there's so many differing people, like there's councils and whatnot. And some people want to keep things status quo. And some people are like equality for all. And then everyone else is like, Hey, we got to get the fuck off of Mars because this, this, it's no longer supporting us. And then enter the Grentel. So the Grentel are apparently this weird, this is the supreme or higher life form or intelligence that takes humans from Earth and put them on Mars. And it's pretty much, I mean, once you get to the nitty gritty of it, they pretty much were just experimenting on people, you know, just like, look at these little bugs. What if we move some new bugs, some of these bugs, into this new environment? Let's see what happens to those other bugs, right? And then let's see the the bugs that we left alone and how they're doing. Oh, the motherfuckers ain't doing too well. Let's focus more on the 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 the, the test subjects. Let's let's focus more on the variable. The control group is fine. Um, and so the rulers of Mars have always have had this like really deeper connection and been able to like, there's like, I don't know, there's like a box. It look in my mind, once again, it looks like the Tesseract. Like I imagine that the box or whatever it is that she uses to communicate the communication device between the Martians and the Grael looks like the Tesseract, right? I think just bigger. And so she is royal, so she is the only one that can, like, connect with this and communicate with this thing. And so, basically, she starts talking back and forth with them, and she's, like, supposed to do all of this messaging, but only the royal family can do it. So, the last person who was able to do it was, like, her grandfather before her parents left Mars and then ended up dying in in in, in Earth. Which, again, I, who knows? how that happened because it doesn't seem like it's very easy to kill these people um so she's communicating with the Grael I mean the Jet Grentel and she's like communicating all the information that her ancestors used to share with them and then she like is back on earth and she's like playing around with her ability to like push her consciousness out so if anybody reads i mean if anybody watches steven universe when steven is able to like astrally project project himself into like one of his watermelon people i want to say similar to that but not a hundred percent because she doesn't like inhabit some other life form she just kind of is around and she can just see spatially around her and so she goes and starts snooping on the grintle and realize they're gonna kill everyone they're gonna shut down the whole fucking mars project no they're not gonna send the motherfuckers back to earth and a lot of martians have been just you know migrating to earth um, for a while because they knew that the that the ecosystem of Mars was starting to shut down like apparently they're like tremors or blackouts or some shit like that so you know they got Marsh out here playing fluff piece while she low-key find out that the Grinsel are gonna dis- uh, discontinue them pretty much and so her and Rigel have to create their own energy to fight the Grintel back um and so that's why like their love is just like all-encompassing and you know she's still worried about prom and graduation she gets into a fight with Trina and shit like 
And Trina's one of those haters, like, you know, she realizes that M isn't no punk-ass bitch, and then she wants to re- and she starts to gain popularity and some notoriety, and M's just a cool person. Like, they find out that they didn't let a girl onto the, the, the cheerleading team. Of course, Trina's the head cheerleader. And she, um, I don't know why, but she makes me think about, like, Big Red from Bring It On. I'm still Big Red. Um, so that's what Trina reminds me of. Just the cattiest of cats. Um, and they don't let one of the girls who tried out for the Chilean team because she was big. And, and she's, like, not popular and stuff like that. And they were just being so mean to her. And M just went over and started talking to her. And she started smiling and laughing. And then other people came and sat and talked with them. And Trina starts to realize that she's not, like, the head bitch anymore, right? Like, Rigel, regardless of the fact that he had his memory wiped while he was on Mars by his grandmama and all the other people that are trying. Oh, Mr. O, o, uh, Mr. Ogara, I figured out the name. Mr. Ogara, Sean um, and Molly's mom, they uh, and uh, their, their dad, they decide to wipe Rigel's memory of M so that he will leave her alone and which was some real stank shit. Um, so even with that fact, Rigel's still not interested in Trina. Sean is actually in love with M because his whole life he's been told, you're going to marry the Princess of Mars, you're going to marry the Princess of Mars, you're going to be the next king, blase, woo, woo, woo. And he was like, hell yeah, this is my birthright. Ready for this, ready for this bitch. I've been groomed for this. And so when they have to go out and do like their press junket and stuff like that, he got to smile and be like, I'm in love with her. She's like, oh, that's great. And I mentioned the Grael bond. So, like, um, Rigel and M's connection is so much, so much stronger than um, hers and Sean's. And while Sean helps her feel a little bit better, like, it's not the same level of Rigel. So when they separate them on Mars and she comes back, like, they actually feel like shit like they feel and look like shit like now that they're not together it's almost like their life forces have bonded and the removal of each other from their lives was literally making them sick like you know she started to look all pale and sallow and gaunt and you know rings around the eyes and darks you know just just haggard you know just dragged out and it sucks, right? Like, you feel crappy, and then you want to be with somebody that you know is going to make you feel better. And it's crazy. Like, some of the imagery that the author uses, like, Brenda uses, like, it makes you feel like when they touch each other, it's almost like the difference between... And I don't know if you've seen that movie Pleasantville, but it feels kind of like that. Like, before, when they're not with each other, everything is black and white. And then when they finally are able to connect and they can touch each other and feel each other's energy, then, you know they just light up and color comes into their life and everything is like beautiful technicolor. Um, and so I always get that, that, that imagery whenever I think about Rigel and M. And so it's really hard for her to like pretend like she gives a fuck about Sean and you know, the scientists in Mars come up with a 
solution or some type of serum that stops the effects of the lack of connection between Rigel and, and M. Um, and then they come back to Earth, right? They come back to Earth. So the fourth book, they're back on Earth. M is mad. She finds out about everything that, you know, um, Mr. O'Gara does, what Rigel's grandmother does, what all the other people of Marsh, like the council members, have done. And she is fucking pissed. She she really comes into her own, and I think I love that. Like, over the four books, you see the transition in M. You see her go from a very subdued young girl. You know, she lives with her strict aunt and uncle. It seems like they didn't even want kids. Like, she's the only one. And... Her, her aunt is just so strict, and it just comes off like she doesn't like her, right? Like, you just ever met an older person, or you just ever have somebody that you know, like, in your family, like, they're supposed to like their kids, but it's super clear that they don't like anyone, really. And I get that feeling by Aunt Teresa and her uncle. Like, I think he owns, like, a used car dealership in Indiana, right? Um, and... I just think that he he literally gives zero fucks. Um, and so there's so many things that happen, right? At one point, Marsha and Rigel in the car with her aunt and uncle, and something horrible happens where their brakes aren't working, and then Rigel uses their power, their combined electric magnetic energy to, like, like you know, short out the car so that they don't all die. At one point, Rigel and M are like being kept together, so they decide to steal one of her uncle's cars and run away. You know, there's that whole trip to Mars. That's everything that happens in Mars. And I have to say, love, love, love the detail that Brenda puts into these books. I really do feel like I see everything that I'm going on this journey with them. Like, oh, we're in Ireland. This is cool as shit. Oh, we're on Mars. This is cool as shit. Like, in my mind, I could picture Mars. And I think that the ability to do that, to me, is really amazing. So I won't say much more about it other than it's pretty freaking great. And you're going to really enjoy the transition of Marsha. And I think that's the fun thing about YA, that you get to watch, you get to read and experience the growth of a character. And, I mean, I was already, like, in my late 20s when I came across this book, but you can still see so many different parallels with how this book how the how the the main character how M grows, um, you can see so many parallels in that with like life, like real life high schooler experiences, and and that's what's so fun about it, right? Like it's crazy. She's got to have like council meetings and stuff like that, and and she's got to be like the super forceful one, and she's telling like different council members like no, and you you won't be doing that, and like eyeballing people and like giving them like the stank eye, you know, like on some real. Olivia Pope type, I'm finna intimidate the fuck out of you with my words type stuff. Like, remember when she took Andrew away from Millie because, you know, Fitz got mad that Millie was getting some on the side? Remember when she stood in that room and, like, just tore that man apart? That is kind of how badass Marsha gets at one point. I'm like, yes, bitch, do that thing. Tell them you mean business. So, um, it's, it's, it's a fun ride. I would like 
to see how they could put this into a book. I mean, into a movie franchise, because you know, that's all the rage. Like young kids in love, motherfuckers sick, falling their stars, five feet apart, everything, everything. Don't get me wrong, great movies. Cry like a baby, and I usually prefer to cry on the inside, like a winner. But I'm not gonna front you. I was on the plane uh, watching everything, everything, and I'm sitting there like. <sighs> <laughs> like just just could not keep it together like the lady was sitting next to me and I'm, she's like are you okay I'm like yeah I'm, I'm fine like just you know she gave me a tissue thank you to that lady on the American Airlines flight um yeah but that's pretty much the that's pretty much what you are expecting like or at least what I'm expecting like oh I'm just waiting on somebody to discover this and make it into a, a movie series I'd be interested to see how they do it I feel like there's so much room for people to fuck it up. Um, but it is one of those it is one of those movie-worthy book series. So, you know, check it out. Maybe read it before somebody else stumbles upon it and then decides to put it into a film franchise and then ruins it like they did I Am Number 4 um, or Mortal Instruments or so many other ones. Um, yeah, so check it out. Brenda Hyatt. Um, Hyatt. Hyatt, hate, height, H I A T T. That's all I can say. <laughs> I don't, I feel like I go through this every time <laughs> I have to say somebody's name, but yeah. So check it out. It's pretty great. Um, and let me know what you think, and we'll be right back. everybody we are back with um this week's excerpt so this is from actually the fourth book in the starstruck series starfall um and to set up the scene rigel they're all back on earth so they've had their journey to mars marcia has you know, set some shit in motion, and she's like, and I'm, now I'm here I am, I'm gonna come and try and figure out how to fuck to fix this world situation, um, and she's just trying to live her best life while going to high school, and, you know, doing math, and then also having to deal with, like, saving two different worlds, so, Rigel has his memory wiped, but Marsha hasn't forgot how much she loves him, and Rigel is actually struggling because he's friends with Sean, and he knows that Sean and Marsha dated, but he doesn't realize that he himself was Marsha's original boyfriend. Because even when they were doing like the press junket, Sean knew that him and Marsha weren't really together. And then even as they come back to Indiana and they're all living lives, like the people who are observing them think that her and Sean are together, but her and Sean aren't really together. And so Rigel's torn because he feels this connection to uh, M, and he knows that he's not supposed to approach her. And so, but she's like, you know, still in love with him, and she's kind of like not giving up. And he's having memories of their relationship, and so... This is like a real struggle for him because he's grappling. There's all this conflicting information, and so it's just been a really rough ride. So this scene is actually um, when they are back, and Rigel's actually dreaming, um, and it's from his perspective. So I will just get right into it. Here we go. Here we go. 
The arboretum looks a lot different covered with snow. I look around at the gardens, buried under a blanket of white. The gravel walks have been shoveled or swept, so they're walkable, barely. I'm alone, but keep looking eagerly toward the arched entrance, waiting. I feel her even before I hear her. My M! A moment later, she rushes into the arboretum, her taekwondo bag swinging at her side. Even sweaty and flushed, she looks like heaven. As soon as we're out of sight from the street, her duffel hits the ground with a thud, and we're in each other's arms, kissing like there's no tomorrow. It's been way too long. Strength and well-being flow into me from her touch, and I know she feels the exact same thing. I slide my hands inside her coat, rub them up and down her back, pull her closer. She runs her fingers through my hair, doing her part to mesh us into one. Mmm. I'll never get tired of this, I whisper against her mouth when we come up for air. I've missed you so much, Em. She answers silently, since we're already kissing again, that this is the only thing that really makes her feel right, whole. I totally agree, even if I can't form whole sentences in my head right now. She pulls my body so tight against hers, I feel like I might explode. I let my hands drift lower, and she doesn't stop me, if only. So I'm gonna actually stop it right there. Um, I love these. I think I've gone back and reread the fourth book, and I wanna say parts of all of the other ones a few times, but I've definitely reread the fourth book at least two to three times. And as you saw, it's Taekwondo. Not Jiu-Jitsu, not Judo, and not Karate, but Taekwondo. I was gonna get there. I wasn't. But that's fine. Um, so, I, I love it. You know, it, it's clean, wholesome, wholesome reading. Um, there's a lot of funny moments in there as well, like a lot of laughter, but just this really deep, deep, deep connection, and it makes you feel like, you know, young love is attainable and possible. It's like some real Nicholas Sparks shit. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. I hope you check out the book um, series. It is really worth the read. And if you have any young adults in your life that you would like to recommend some books to or you, you know, want to give them some, you know, clean, wholesome reading and things like that that meets them at their level, um, I highly, highly support this series. Um, if you have any questions, you know, to hit me up via email let me know what you're reading um i am actually currently reading um another book as well so if you want to read along with me um i will be reading the another book from the february's uh kimani romance selection um and this one is called taste of desire and it is by chloe blake so check it out uh, if you want to talk about it. Just shoot me an email or hit me up on social media. Info is next. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful rest of your March. I will see you all back in April. And that's it for today. Peace out. 
You can find She Reads the Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. For questions, comments, or new book suggestions, email me at shereadsthepodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter or Facebook. Just search She Reads the Podcast and don't forget to follow or subscribe. This production was produced by Power Voice Media. Visit powervoicemedia.com for more info.